You're listening to the awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. I brought my poor 10 speed to a complete stop, like I always do at stop shots. When out of nowhere, this humongous hairy thing is standing right in front of me, growling with these enormous fangs and these giant hands. And he grabs me, and he picks me up, biking all over his head, and then he smashes me down on the cement. And now, he's all over me, and he's snarling with saliva dripping off his pointed teeth. So I grab my mace. What? Mace, you idiot! And back. I didn't really mace him. I was about to be eaten. Eaten by a vegetarian? Right, that's it, officers. No, no, look, I, I have no doubt that you saw him. But what really happened is when you saw him, you were so scared shitless that you crashed your precious 10 feet into the stop sign and bumped your head on the curb and probably scared him half to death in the process. I'm right, aren't I? That's what really happened, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes! John Lithgow, Bigfoot Truther. Yes. Welcome, everybody, to a brand spanking new episode of 80s Revisited. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Harris. With me, as always, my own personal hairy Bigfoot, H-A-R-R-Y, not H-A-I-R-Y. <laughs> you know, try to tie it in as bad as I can, possibly, in the intro. Producer, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And now, our very own episode of Finding Bigfoot 80s Style, as we talk about... The 1987 classic, in my opinion, Harry and the Hendersons, which is on Netflix. So if you haven't watched it recently, go watch it on Netflix, pause it, and we'll wait. We'll be right back. Oh, I can't oh thanks for it. watching it. All right, great. Cool. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. Now let's talk about it. Uh, June 5th, 1987 was the date. IMDb gives it a 5.9. Rotten Tomatoes, 44. Bleh. Critics, 54% audience. So, eh, 50-50. Uh, directed by a gentleman named William... Oh, I'm sorry, uh... Got a little ahead of myself. Budget was $16 million estimated. Couldn't find any opening info. Domestically, however, it grossed $29.7. Worldwide, $49. So probably made its money back, possibly. Uh, director was William Deere. He also did Angels in the Outfield. And the Richard Grieco classic, If Looks Could Kill. And that's roughly about it. Uh, it was written by William Deere uh, as well and Bill Martin, Ezra D. Rappaport. And starring the great John Lithgow in one of his comedic, dramatic roles uh, as George Henderson. Of course, he was an exceptionally amazing villain in the Stallone film Cliffhanger. Uh, if you've never seen it, watch it for him alone. It's, he's just a fantastic... He's a villainous villain. Mm. Uh, you know, they say the uh, hero's only as good as his villain. Well, Lithgow made Stallone look really good in that movie because he was a fantastic uh, nemesis for Stallone's character. And, of course, Third Rock from the Sun and, most recently, Interstellar, mm-hmm. uh, which was good to see that he was still getting some work. I think he's a great actor. Oh, yeah. He'll uh, keep getting work. Melinda Dillon was uh, Nancy Henderson. And I'm watching this movie. hadn't seen it in several years. I'm like, I know this woman. Like, I seen her in something recently, I, I, and it bugged me, but I was like, i I'm, I got to figure this out. I can't look it up. i got to figure it out. Couldn't figure it out. Finally looked it up. She's the mom from A Christmas Story. Hmm. So... That's where you probably are like, I know this woman. And that's pretty much the biggest thing she ever did, aside from this. Uh, Margaret Langrick was Sarah Henderson. Uh, she did a couple of 21 Jump Street episodes and faded off into obscurity. Uh, Joshua Rudoy was Ernie Henderson. He was in Flatliners and an episode of ALF. So he's worked with the biggest furry characters of the 80s, ALF now and Harry. Now he's an actual furry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, also, as Harry, Kevin Peter Hall, a veteran of the podcast. Of course, he was the predator and predator, so he went from hunting men to befriending mm. them as a Bigfoot. 
Uh, also, he was reprised that role in Predator 2, and also he reprised the role of Harry in the television series of Harry and the Hendersons, mm. which... When I read that, like I kind of had some, I have some vague memory of it, but I can't remember anything specific about it. Uh, then I looked that up and I was like, "Yeah, I don't remember any of this shit." 1991. Yep. We waited a good four years after the <laughs> success of the movie to cash <laughs> in on it. Uh, but uh, speaking of Kevin Peter Hall, like his, his like what a he's such a good actor in this. Of course, you know it's a lot of. Uh, by the way, makeup effects were done by Rick Baker, who won an Oscar for this. Uh, rightfully so, but I mean, his eyes, he emotes so much with his body language and his eyes, and especially watching it in a post Andy Circus Gollum Lord of the Rings era, you know, where mm-hmm. it's, it was more mocap and, you know, voice and stuff. Like, this is classic filmmaking right here. A guy in a suit, animatronics, and an, an actor bringing it to life as well. A physical representation on set, and it's probably, honestly, it's probably one of the best out there outside of Tim Curry and Legend. Uh, in my opinion, and pr- the Predator as well. I mean, but such a menacing creature. Uh, anyway, but uh, David Suchet was La Fleur. Uh, he was also an executive decision and Iron Eagle. Uh, Lanny Kazan was Irene. You've seen this woman in something because she was in my big fat Greek wedding, also in Delta Force, but she's been in tons of television. You name a TV show, she probably had a one episode stint in it. She was always an annoying neighbor and pretty much or annoying person, side character, and everything she's ever been in. Uh, you know this woman, I promise you. Uh, and the great, late, great Don Amici, most recently we talked about him in, uh, as a bit part in Coming to America, reprising his character from Trading Places. He was Dr. Wrightwood in this, also, of course, Cocoon and Trading Places. And the great character actor M. Emmett Walsh was George Sr., of course, one of my favorite films of all time, Blade Runner, but also Serpico and Critters, which we covered on the podcast, as mm, well as the Chevy yeah. Chase classic Fletch. And again, you've probably seen this dude in like 18 different things. Yep. So, name something he's been in it. Uh, and like I mentioned before, Rick Baker is the genius and Oscar winner behind the makeup for this, as well as many other classic makeups in film history. But yeah, uh, just sc- sitting at home, scrolling through Netflix, typically eating with my wife. What you want to watch? You got anything on the flash drive? No, nah, I got nothing to watch tonight. Let's find something on Netflix. What do you want to watch? I don't know. Well, pick a genre, and then I'll pick something in that genre, so at least you half pick. She's like, pick a comedy, which is her usual default answer anyway. Right. Okay. You know, eh, eh. Whoa, Harry the Henderson is on Netflix. Fuck yeah. Play immediately. No no thought. Just boom. Had to watch it. Hadn't seen it in forever. Last time I saw it was probably VHS. Uh, <laughs> so it's been a good 10 plus years probably before I've even seen this movie. Uh, I remember seeing it in the theater. Uh, theater we've mentioned on the podcast before. Uh, what you call it? Uh, Maison, not Maison Blanche. <laughs> That's a retail store. Uh, bon Marche. Yeah, I distinctly remember seeing this at Bon Marche, and then we went to the McDonald's afterwards and got Happy Meals. So a a wonderful memory from my childhood was seeing this movie with my family and then getting McDonald's. But uh, Mm -hmm. anyway, I haven't seen it in 10 years. Watched it just the other day, and I must say, just as enjoyable as watching it as a kid. This is the first time really watching it with adult eyes. Excuse me, in a sense, watching it from a technical standpoint with the effects and everything. And as mentioned before, Kevin Peter Hall just kills it as Harry, of course, with the makeup effects accentuating it. And the first thing I noticed when I watched this movie, Harry now, or Harry in this movie looks just like my dad does now. <laughs> I swear to God, I'll show you a picture off the air, Jesse, but my dad is a, is a kind of gray beard, kind of shagging, and same kind of brow, and <laughs> it looks like my father. <laughs> the whole time I'm watching, it's like, that's my dad. If my dad was a Bigfoot, this is his Bigfoot self. <laughs> Like if he was, I could see him walk. He, like my parents live in Big Bear Lake, California. I could see him walking through the woods, 
And then like, hey, it <laughs> just like Harry and Mary and the Innocents. But yeah, uh, this movie, I, it's and it was longer than I remember. It's like an hour 45, somewhere in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. So pretty long for the genre that it is. Uh, and like we said, it did eventually spawn a TV show, which yeah, I can't give any recollections about. But uh, this is a, just a well-done film from the writing, good casting, good acting, and again, the effects. <laughs> awesome. And they tied in at the end with a nice Take On Me uh, credit sequence. 87, yeah, I think Take funny. On Me was what, like 84, 85? I love that stuff. So, <laughs> but again, it, and the movie's got heart. It's, it's one of, the, it's one of those feel-good kind of 80s movies that it's just got a lot of heart in it. And I think this, is the, this movie is probably the reason, because we live in South Louisiana. So I remember going to school and a lot of my friends are, let me, let me rephrase it, a lot of the people in my classes and grade school are like, yeah, man, me and my dad went hunting this weekend. I'm like, yeah, we have a pond. I went fishing. You know, yeah, I went hunting, killed a, killed a baby deer. And, you know, my dad put his blood on my face and told me it was my first blood. So <laughs> I got bloodied and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you know, I was never a hunter, like in that regard. Like, no. you know, never been really hunting. I've... I've killed a couple of birds with my BB gun, which I, my Red Rider BB gun, which I got for Christmas one year, and Mom kept thinking I'd shoot my eye out. Oh, wait, no, that was Ralphie from A Christmas Story. Yeah. But uh, anyway, you know, so that's the most I've ever done. Like, didn't even, like, ah, this is dumb. Like, I'd rather just go set up some cans, because that's funner. Yeah. <laughs> just bing, 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 got the cans. And also, of course, BB guns back then. Let me pump it 10 times between every shot. <laughs> now we got airsoft. I'll just charge it for an hour and pop, know, pop, pop, shoot pop. all day. Yep. Have a blast. But anyway... But I think this film probably really led to my development of not wanting to hurt animals. <laughs> I just don't like hurting animals, like period, you know. Which is good because usually prof- uh, prolifically most serial killers like hurting animals. That's true. So it's a good thing. But of course Harry, you know, he goes in the house and George, avid hunter, has a whole bunch of uh, taxidermed animals all over the place. And then Harry, like classic scene, reaches behind the wall and there's no back of a deer and he starts crying. Takes him outside, buries him and all that, so... But it's a, it's just it's little things like that in the film and them just dealing with Harry, hiding him from the uh, neighbors and all that kind of classic, you know, 80s movie type cliches and everything. Still pay off, still, still so entertaining and still extremely enjoyable. Still a, a really good family film as well that's got that 80s kind of language to it, so to speak, uh, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it lately, I highly recommend it. It's on Netflix as of this recording and taping. So if you haven't seen it, get the kids around. And it's about Bigfoot. You know, don't don't waste your time watching Finding Bigfoot because that's dumb. But this I'll never find him. <laughs> yeah, actually, I read an article, uh, some page I like on Facebook. I don't know, but posted like, you know, why like why do people still watch Finding Bigfoot? Which Full disclosure, I've talked about like I like watching it when I had cable, just because mm. it was it was so entertaining to me. What was that? Just like the ghost shows, <laughs> something, you know. Oh wait, I heard something. Whoa, never whoa, I saw something, but evidence. even though this camera on my head didn't see it, I saw something. Yeah, you know. But Finding Bigfoot's the same way. And the reason I really, honestly, lo- love watching that show, a, I love Bigfoot. I love you know, I love the idea of Bigfoot. I love the idea of the Loch Ness monster. I love the idea of UFOs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Love the paranormal. Listen to Coast to Coast and Midnight in the Desert every night. Not Coast to Coast, but Midnight in the Desert, since that's Art Bell's legacy, mm. more so than Coast to Coast. But that's nerdy, paranormal talk. People who are listening who do that know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Respect. Uh, but anyway, I forgot where I was going with that. But, you know, because uh, I remember there was a movie. Uh, well, actually, no. There's not really a movie. About, I'm sure there is a movie about the Loch Ness Monster, but it's not like this. We're like, oh, we, but let's befriend the Loch Ness Monster and feed him, and then he saves us from the villainous criminal in the end, or the person trying to hunt him. 
doesn't work with the Loch Ness Monster. But we got a good Bigfoot story here, a good family story. That's, uh, like I said, always, it's, it's fun and entertaining. Like, shit. <laughs> what I was that? Had, uh, y'all can still hear me, but I can't. Oh, yeah, yeah, it. we so can. Let me just plug this uh, there, oh, there we go. That's the first. He's got his ears okay. back. That's happened so many times, but I've, <laughs> I've never pulled it out. I've always like he's talking about his plug, folks. Yeah, his, yeah. his well, uh, earphone plug. Let's not ruin the illusion, Jesse. Right? <laughs> I whip that out all the time. Yeah, here. especially when Daniel was here. Right. But anyway, different uh, times. But yeah, you know the whole. Uh, but anyway, oh, oh, okay. Trains back on the track. Uh, I'm not talking about my zipper <laughs> either. Talking about the line of thought. Anyway, uh, but they were saying like, you know, why do, the article I was talking about was like, you know, hundred plus episodes in, why do people keep watching Finding Bigfoot when after a hundred episodes, not a shred of evidence or anything, <laughs> they found nothing. Yet it's like in its sixth, seventh season. So you know, like it wore thin for me. But like I said, uh, it was just fun. The funnest part of the show for me was watching the three guys on the show were like, yeah, you hear that? That's a Bigfoot. That's Squatch. That's definitely a Squatch. And the chick is just, she's just Dana Scully. She's a skeptic. Uh, she's like, no, that's, that's a wolf, guys. And like, no, I've heard these, I've heard these creatures before <laughs> firsthand. That's a Squatch. And they just shut her down completely. Every, she's the voice of reason. And it's so entertaining. She's just like, guys, I, I think that's People like the, the conflict. I think, but the funny thing is, they, the three guys immediately jump on her. Like, no, 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 Renee, you don't know what you're talking about. I've heard these things before. And the funny thing is, two of the three guys claim they've never seen one. <laughs> Only one person of those four people say they've actually seen one. So, <sighs> but again, it, there's, there's a market for that. You know, anytime I see a special on Bigfoot or aliens or anything like that, I'm prone to watch it for a little bit, especially when I was a kid. That was like the best thing ever when Unsolved Mysteries would have like, and those, now we're going to Oregon to see this case about a strange furry creature sometimes called Bigfoot or Sasquatch. There was always a great, or the alien episodes of Unsolved Mysteries were always terrifying. Pretty much every segment of Unsolved Mysteries was terrifying. But, <laughs> you know, as a kid, those were always my favorite. And you know, now this stuff's everywhere, you know, with shows like Finding Bigfoot. And they recently had something just this very week about the Loch Ness Monster where they were filming an old episode of the Sherlock Holmes TV show where they had a fake, the episode was about them faking Nessie, and they actually had a fake Nessie that they used, prompted the use for the show, and it promptly sunk after they filmed, and they actually found, the big joke this week was that they found Nessie, yeah. and it was the remains of the prop from Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Got my hopes, hopes all up, and then, ah, fuckers. <laughs> it's a plesiosaur. It has to be. But anyway. And it's not. Yeah. Of course, it's, again, everybody, you know, it's, it's fine to be a shitter and shit on people who like wholeheartedly go out and search for these things. But come on, be a little nice because it's fun to believe in shit like that. Remember when you were a kid and you believed in Santa Claus, how infinite the Never. world seemed? <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's fun. And you know what? I, I'm the type of person, you know, first of all, there have to be aliens, in my opinion. There has to, and not, are they intelligent enough to where they've traversed yeah. light speed and visited us? No. Probably one-celled one organisms, very boring aliens. Yeah, at least. But I mean, also, okay, universe is infinite. Okay, mm -hmm. if it's infinite, that means there has to be something. Otherwise, right. if we're it, must be a god or something, because yeah, what are the, the chances of, the of that of happening? But anyway, that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> you know, Nessie, that was fun to believe as a kid, you know, you know, whatever. That's, that's the least likely. Bigfoot, I mean, there's been legends going back to Native Americans about big hairy men in the woods, and who knows what it could have been. You know, I believe there's some substance to that. Does something like that still exist? Eh, I don't know. <laughs> According to Finding Bigfoot, they've been all over the world for 100-plus episodes and ain't found shit. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> whatever, man. 
But anyway. Yeah, I think it'd make the news. Well, that, a few years ago, there was that thing where that a guy that's hoaxed the media before saying he had a Bigfoot in his fridge and was going to unveil it publicly on this date oh, and right. charge people money. And then some costume company was like, no, that's the costume we sell. <laughs> yeah. Like he released a teaser photo saying, this is a Bigfoot. I killed it. And it was a teaser. It was a picture of a costume. Can make something himself. Huh? <laughs> no, like at least. Yeah, at, at least, least try that. Don't buy something off the internet. You know? And it's funny. And it's like. The, actually, here's another reason I like I liked watching Finding Bigfoot when I could, would catch it back in the, when I had to, when I actually had cable was they'd always show like the reason they went to this area and like you know the user footage or the the video like yeah I took this video and I love just looking at the video like okay that's completely fake mm. that is a shadow in the that is like a tree moving that's not a Bigfoot but the same thing with like some UFO pictures even some ghost pictures every now and then you'll see something like okay. You ever seen, like, I don't know if you've done it, Jesse, or not, but I know I sure as hell have. I look at, like, you know, ghost pictures and old books when I was a kid, you know, supposed ghost pictures, and, like, oh, fake, fake. But then some of them just kind of send a chill down your spine. I don't know if you ever had that. You're like, okay, that something about that is actually, it's really, A, it's creepy at least. Right. But, you know, there's something that's a little more real about that. You know, there's some Bigfoot photos I've seen, like, whoa, that's kind of, you know, that that obviously could be a person in a suit, but something well, they about get it. These. <laughs> Oh, in the movie? <laughs> yeah. Well, Don Amici's like a big, runs a Bigfoot museum, so I'm sure he had... <laughs> Just had him in the back of the car. Here's some cat plaster casts I made, which... No. Oh, okay. So, but they sure do... The dude's like pulling up like literally like two minutes behind him, and then they quickly, I guess, rip some shirts and tie him to their feet. And But it's a kid's movie. Logistics. Eh. <laughs> yeah. And the whole time I'm watching this, I'm thinking, how awesome would it be like in the background, you see like the Predator like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> predator versus Harry. Just make which, a short clip and put the sounds in. Yeah, which I think Predator 2 was not in the 80s, so unfortunately on our next character showdown around episode 200, right. we won't be able to discuss Harry versus Predator. <laughs> but anyway, uh, like I said, uh, again, this movie's on Netflix. If you haven't seen it in a long time, or your kid, you're looking for something to pacify your kids while you're doing something, you know, put it on. It's, it's, it's still a good, entertaining movie. Great performances all around, and the effects alone. Oscar-winning effects here and it shows in the performance i mean there is a performance here by a character in a big suit and it's it's a amazing heartfelt performance i mean when he when he expresses sadness from getting punched in the face it's like oh just a excellent all-around uh effort in bringing a sasquatch to life looks like my uh airsoft gun that he yeah. had. <laughs> yeah. that a jg vsr 10 bro <laughs> uh anyway some behind the scenes stuff uh while i make up kevin peter hall uh, he was already around uh, seven, I think like seven two, seven four, uh, but it put him the makeup in the costume put him over eight feet. Uh, but John Lithgow himself is six four, so but the, uh, a lot of the times, like especially for something like this, when you're dealing with a Sasquatch, a Bigfoot, obviously a big creature, when you're you know setting up your shots, you have to take into consideration he always has to look pretty big, and you're dealing with John Lithgow who's six foot four himself, so they really not have to worry too much because in the makeup. Kevin Peter Hall still dwarfed over everybody, so easy filmmaking. Or you know, they got to cut a little corner there. We're not having to do anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's when he throws the dog. Yeah, yeah. Right. I would, I would kick his ass too, Harry, if he threw that cute little puppy. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh, who plays John Lithgow's father in this, is actually only ten years older than John Lithgow, so he had his son. It at could 10. have happened. Yeah, he definitely could. He's a little baller kid. Definitely could. <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly, like before I looked this up, I'm even like, like. Those are both old dudes. Yeah. I knew there couldn't be too much difference, but you know, only 10 years between them. Uh, and, okay, now for you uh, Bigfoot dorks. 
according to cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman, some of the characters in the film are based on, to varying degrees, of actual people related to Sasquatch. Uh, Jacques Lafleur is based on uh, the late Canadian René Dahinden and Dr. Wallace Wrightwood, uh, played by Don Amici. He's a combination of John Green, Peter Byrne, and the late Dr. Grover Krantz. So if you actually know who those people are, you know a lot more about Bigfoot mythology than I do. So there's some little tidbit of information for you. Uh, they did talk about a sequel, obviously. I mean, $50 million worldwide. Again, we don't know the budget, but I would assume since they talked about a sequel and it spawned a television series, it had to make money. So yeah. they saw some profit in it. Uh, the sequel would have seen the Henderson's reunite with Harry, but in a way, the TV series became a what-if version of the sequel because it's Harry and the Hendersons, so Harry moves back in with the Hendersons on the TV show, which completely impractical. Sure. That was yeah. the movie. They would be better off if they moved out there. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> or like maybe they disguise Harry with some Groucho glasses and he gets a job and it's the, the bungling uh, way that Harry, like Clark Kent, puts on some glasses and he's not a Bigfoot, he's just a hairy big guy. Goes about his life in the real world. I think it could have been a missed opportunity. But anyway, uh, speaking of the TV show, it ran for three seasons, 72 episodes. So there you go. That's back when episodes were, uh, what, 24? Roughly about 24 episodes a season. You know, like the old X-Files used to be. Not like today. Oh, here's your 10-episode season, which I like, which we've talked about on the podcast before. Uh, like those shorter seasons. Uh, and starred Bruce Davidson, Senator Kelly from the uh, X-Men movies. And in fact, a fun fact on the TV show, Scott Bayo actually directed an episode. Hmm. Don't know which of the 72, but as you probably could find out if you dug down, well, went down the ra- deep enough down the rabbit hole for the TV show, which I got other things to do. So I'll leave that to the really big Harry and the Hendersons fans. Uh, in the United Kingdom, the film was originally released as Bigfoot and the Hendersons. Makes sense. So, yeah. Anyway. Uh, revisiting it today, uh, score-wise, I'd give it an 8. I thoroughly enjoyed watching mm. it. Had a smile on my face the whole time. And like I said, just watching the performance of Kevin Peter Hall and Rick Baker's makeup is is interesting as well. It's just so well done. And uh, it's just it's a good movie all the way around. Holds up. Because uh, the only, only real effects are Harry. is Harry, I should say. And everything on the movie is practical. I mean, if you, there's a few matte paintings you can see in the distance and stuff like that when they're trying to you know, have a certain shot, but it holds up extremely well. Like that makeup could, they could take that, this exact same costume, put it on screen today and still look as good. Like, I don't know. I really don't know what they could do to improve it much. You know, maybe just a Um, little more detailing. Yeah. There'd be some color issues. Like, I mean, to live up to what people are expecting today. Yeah. A little more realism, so to speak. It is kind of cartoony with the exaggerated. Yeah. Mildly. So not too much, but I mean, you know, it's got a big cartoon mouth, you know, for his grinning and surprise and all that kind of stuff, but holds up really well. And again, in the real world, this movie released June 5th, 1987. Three days later, in New Zealand, the New Zealand Nuclear Free Zone Disarmament and Arms Control Act passed, the first of its kind in the world. The first what? The first nuclear-free disarmament and arms control zone. Hmm. That's just, Wikipedia had nothing further <laughs> to say about it. So What an interesting day. I couldn't even find you know, every it's so funny because you know we look up every every now and then there's it's usually 1986 because there were so many awesome movies in 86 that we've covered to where like the same events kind of get repeated you know there's uh not too many big bursts or events really happen close on dates close to a lot of these movies we tend to do on the podcast strangely enough or if a lot of the times especially if it's in a movie in 86 we end up repeating it uh so so yeah you know how that goes but anyway Going back to the future from 1987 to 2016, uh, relevant to this week, just watch The Jungle Book, John Favreau's 
remake, so to speak, the latest in the live action. Let's take an old Disney cartoon, make a live action version of it. Uh, and it was phenomenal. It was the. It is. Uh, I really like the 1990 version with uh, Jason Scott Lee and Carrie Ells. That version of the Jungle Book. Of course, it focused more on just Mowgli interacting with Man's World and that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, but this one was uh, visually stunning. Uh, I mean, all the animals are pretty much CG. Yeah. But and I think is there a lot of music in it. They do. They do. They do the same songs from the Disney cartoon. The oh wow, Bear Necessities, the King Louis song, and then Ka has a song. That's cool. So mm. and it because I'm watching it and the songs don't come in until mu- the second half of the movie. Yeah. You know, so it's like I'm wondering, like, are they gonna do a song and then like, okay, I hear I hear the tune. Are they actually gonna sing it? Yeah. Yeah. But they do it. You know, like Baloo is singing with Mowgli because he's like, you know what a song is, kid. You know, it's you know. Everybody has a song, you know, but it's not just like the music starts, but they incorporate it as their friendship grows. Like, they're like, bare necessity, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, Y'all know the song. <laughs> you know, so... It, and, I'm familiar. Uh, you know, they, it's... Because I've seen... I mean, the other Disney live-action stuff was like Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, which was, eh. Yeah. It was all right. You know, I didn't round by the Blu-ray. Uh, Cinderella was garbage, I thought. Uh, Maleficent was... Cool, I guess, but it told a different story. It did, you know. So it was in- interesting in that regard. It seems like I'm missing one other live action one. Uh, oh, uh, 101 Dalmatians, which I haven't seen it in years, but I remember it being decent. I guess I don't know. I haven't seen it in forever. Uh, but anyway, uh, and that seems to be a big trend right now with a lot of the Disney films, the live action. Yeah, converting that into, into that. instead of you know they're not remaking it as a cartoon. I mean, Peach Dragon. Oh yeah, that, that one's coming out and. I I think I furry dragon. I think I talked about like Pete's dragon for whatever reason we did Roger Rabbit or something or other. I just never liked that original. I have no desire to see the new one. No, because the, the the cool thing about the original was that you know it was a cartoon interacting with live action back in the day. Now it's right, you know, right. See, you know that's normal now because you and we're interacting with CG. You're basically interacting. You with, better have a good story behind it. Yeah, and now yeah. it's just the kids in the woods and a dragon kept them alive. Like okay, yeah. Work better with the Sasquatch and Harry and the Hendersons. You know I mean, just saying, you know, Pete Sasquatch. Big Pete furry Squatch. dragon, meet big furry Bigfoot. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. But anyway, Jungle Book, because, uh, uh, again, John Favreau, of course, Iron Man 1 and 2, I believe. So the original architect of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and a good and an actor in his own right. Uh, he did, uh, I think he directed Swingers and starred in it with Vince Vaughn. And he's done some other. Uh, Elf. He directed Elf. Uh but uh, Jungle Book visually was just amazing. And uh, what I was getting at with the animals all being CG is that, you know, if, of course you're like, oh, it's a CG cat. But it, everything, all the CG in the movie looks cohesive. So it's not like, uh, it's not like, like in Photoshop where you take a picture of a tiger and you put in a picture with me and then you don't like color correct it or anything to blend it. Right. You know, so you're having two f- elements that aren't together. But when it, you blend it correctly, so the film looks blended with the, li- with the kid. Yeah. He's the only live action. Everything else is CG. Yeah, he's just running around the woods by himself. Yeah, or just a set, because, I mean, it's a lot of green screen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, because I was kind of worried, like, it's, you know, it's all these talking animals, CG, but it, it looks, it just looks really good. And Favreau's got quite an eye. Like, I mean, there's a lot of really, really just beautiful shots in the film. Of course, you know, engineered in a computer, mm-hmm. but nevertheless, it just, it, it's really sharp looking. And the soundtrack's great. Oh, one of the best ending credit scenes in a movie I've seen in a long time. Uh, you know, the old Disney film. I ain't gonna spoil any more than this, but you know, how, uh, like uh, Snow White and uh, Sleeping Beauty, that Disney films would begin like sometimes with the book opening, book, yeah. and then the book would close at the end. 
Well, in this movie, this is the first Disney movie I've seen in forever where the book, in the end, like, and that was Mowgli's story. And the book closes. <laughs> but don't leave the theater. Stuff happens. Yeah. And uh, also, it, uh, we saw it in 3D XD at uh, Cinemark. Uh, 3D was pretty good for the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no blatant 3D parts except during the credits. There's a really actually good one. Wow. They're like, like whoa, that's, they need more of that during the movie. Like, you know, like, <laughs> it's like right there, like, really, you know, an instance of really good uh, 3D. Uh, so I would highly recommend, uh, if you're looking, and, you know, of course, family friendly, uh, just a great movie seat in 3D. I think it's worth the extra for this one. But of course, I don't have to pay for my movies <laughs> at the theater because my best, one of my, high school friends uh, works at the local theater and gives me passes yep. so I'm lucky in that regard but uh, it was really good and honestly there's not much play until Civil War comes out next month so if you feel like going to the movies having a good time Jungle Book's a good bet and uh, cool. Idris Elba kills it at Shere Khan mm. menacing awesome uh, Ben Kingsley is uh, Bagheera uh, and of course Bill Murray's Blue and others oh uh, Scarlett Johansson is Ka which she's also been in the news because she's playing yeah. Kusanagi in the Ghost in the Shell movie. Yes, she is. And they released that little teaser picture. Which, let's not get into that, but whatever. <laughs> what, I mean, yeah, there's a dual standard. <laughs> they make a Superman movie in Asia, and he's Asian. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. But if we make an Asian movie in America, they have to be an a- like. Yeah. I understand, like, yeah, maybe they, they, maybe they did, but they, this is an American version of Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. You know, so they can do whatever it, they want. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. But anyway, yes. so, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no. whatever. But yeah, go see The Jungle Book. There's really not too much playing right now, in my opinion. Yeah, they're still going to see it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see it. I fucking love the anime. Hey. I've seen the, both TV shows, or the, not TV show. well, there were TV shows in Japan, but I've seen the collected, I've got the collected versions from uh, eBay, like, years ago, uh, Standalone mm. Complex, and I've read the comics. Awesome, awesome universe. I hope the movie does it some degree of justice, because... The uh, the uh, the original movie Ghost in the Shell is one, considered one of the you know biggest, most important, so to speak, uh, anime films probably since Akira. Uh, but from I think it was in the '90s when it came out, and that was that was one of the, Ghost in the Shell was one of the big ones that kind of really helped expand anime over here into unfortunately what it's become because it used to be anime films were. These are, you know, don't let your mom watch, catch you watching them sometimes because hard. I mean, there's sex acts, blood, gore, things coming out of orifices, mm. titties becoming monsters, all sorts of crazy, crazy, awesome stuff happened in these movies. And now, like, I walk through Barnes & Noble or something and, like, oh, shit, this was a graphic novel aisle. It's the anime aisle. Let me get out of here really quick because hmm. everything just looks bad. Not, hey, if you like it, that's fine. I'm just saying, when I was a kid, it was way different than <laughs> when you, we'd go to... Uh, Sam Goody, which is a record store in the mall of uh, Cortana here, if you were local people listening, you know, they'd have one, on one there was one rack, you know, it was the racks in the record uh, video stores, uh, retail stores, I should say. One side was the porno side, and the other side was the, you know, we, back then it was called Japanimation. Uh, manga Video was one of the big distributor, distributors of, of it over here, so I would always call it Manga because Manga Video was the one putting them all out. Vampire Hunter D, Fist of the North Star, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then you know, no, wait, no, it's uh, anime is the technical term. Manga is the writ, is the is the uh, you know the printed one. Ugh. Okay, whatever, dork. It's manga video. Okay, <laughs> that's what I called it. You know. But that's hey. how you point out the losers. <laughs> or the people that really <laughs> like it. Right. You know, but back in my day, you know, if if like you know, when it first came out, we talked about this before, not to bring it up again, but. 
you know, like there was, it was, if you, if you're in that, if you go into Sam Goody or one of those stores where they sell it and you go to that aisle and somebody's standing there, like it's usually because, you know, there's a kin, there was a kinship at that point because it was, oh, dude, you, oh, I see you got Ninja Scroll. Is that any, you know, have you seen that? Is it any good? Dude, it's fucking awesome. You know, you, like this is the only copy they have here. I'm buying it today, but you should definitely get it when they have it again. Right. You know, and uh, speaking of which, you know, back then VHS those normally be like 14 bucks, 19.99 or even more. Yeah. You know, the manga ones were, Twenty nine ninety nine, thirty nine ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. Ridiculously. I mean, but expensive. there was a time where they were eighty dollars. Yeah, some of them. Yeah, VHSs. When I first crazy. got the record of Lotus War box set, six VHSs. I think I saved up for like a, this when I worked at Win Dixie. One of my first jobs. Like this looks so awesome, I have to get it. And again, mm-hmm. no other way to get it. No eBay. No Amazon. No yeah. Netflix. Nothing. You buy local. Living in Walker, Louisiana. So believe me, I was probably the only person watching this shit in my town. Uh, you know, shot oh, man, hundred feet. This looks so awesome. Saved up a couple weeks working. Go in, hundred and twenty nine bucks for six VHSs. Watched it all like back to you know binge watched it. Mm. Loved it to death. You know, eventually got it on DVD. Two DVDs instead of six VHSs take up a lot less space. But anyway, that's a whole mm. other tangent for uh, our anime series, which I have the films picked out. Just got to sit it's down and rewatch them soon. again. But anyway, it's not coming soon. Let. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you think about Harry and the Innocents, The Jungle Book, and any other anime stuff we talked about at 80srevisited at gmail.com. Of course, mm-hmm. awesomepods.com, awesomepods on Twitter, awesomepods on Facebook. Plenty of stuff to listen to on the Awesome Podcast Network. Also, maybe some new ones. We had lunch at five, uh, five Guys today talking about, hey, we should do some of these ideas. Yeah. Maybe we'll have some pilots out there. You know, see which one catches. We are in this brand new studio yeah. in Jesse's spacious new house. And we're five minutes down the road now. We're the only ones that do podcasts anymore. So It's true. we got to step it up. Always fun to hear your own voice. So if, get into podcasting. It's fun. Especially yep. if your friend gets all the stuff and you're like, hey. I Let us know. Ideas. Let us know what you're making. Yeah. Spread the word. Speaking of that, don't forget as well, uh, our good friends at Now Versus Nostalgia in Lafayette, John and James. Uh, we still got your jacket, John. Hopefully we'll get together someday, get that jacket back to you and do some more podcasts together. But give them a listen. They got some, you know, we're, we deal with the 80s. They deal with everything. So some movies like, God, I wish 80s visited guys would talk with us. Sorry, but guess what? <laughs> Our friends in Lafayette probably already hit it up that topic, so you can hear it from them. Yep. And until next week. Next week, hey, we're going to talk about Tony Montana. You want to fuck with him? You fuck with me, man. That's my. <laughs> but you, hold on. That's your, that's you'll your you'll that, hear that a lot next week. I'm, so Ooh, be uh. warned. It's bad. It's <laughs> bad. Look, look at him. Look at him, Pelicans. Look at him, Pelicans, man. <laughs> that's, me and my brother would say that all the time as a kid, like when we were younger. <laughs> were you playing online games? Like, we right. Were, well, that's a story for next week. Fuck it. Yeah, that's going to yeah, end up the runtime of next week. But anyway, next week, everybody. Find out the thrilling Scarface, conclusion of the <laughs> which, Pelican story. if you haven't seen Scarface, it's on Netflix. Huh. But honestly, if you are a fan of 80s movies, I'm pretty sure you've seen Scarface. Hmm. And if you haven't seen it, or you've only seen it on television, you really need to see the real version. And count how many times they say that fuck. It, yeah, the ones with the uh, the funny... Replacement, oh, the yeah. cleanup version. Yeah, like, I uh, can't uh, think. Yeah. I have to think of one. I'll think of some for next week. Like the one in Die Hard. Yeah. Mr. Falcon. <laughs> Mr. Falcon. <laughs> uh, 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 you know, there are some you see that are just so bad, you never right. forget. I remember watching Die Hard 2, and he's like, yippee ki yay Mr. Falcon. Mr. Falcon. It's so, I'm just like, oh my God. Was burned into my memory from uh, here on out. So, but anyway, everybody, we will see you next week. Until then, I remain Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga. I was, I was about to say it. It's Tony Montana. I was like, oh, wait, that's next that's week. That's next week. And I just didn't say anything. So. <laughs>
this show and more on facebook.com slash awesomepods and follow us on twitter at awesomepods 